give me a kiss before you get your alligator. Give me a kiss. Thank you. <sighs> What's up, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. That's right, it's Unbothered by Ty Rivera. I am your host, Ty Rivera, the absolute best LGBTQ comedian in the world. Snoopy Bijou is currently enjoying a Whimsy's Alligator. Whimsy's Alligators, the never-to-be-sponsor of Unbothered by Ty Rivera, but we still give him a shout-out, and we still put our Amazon Affiliates link to Whimsy's Alligators down below in the description box. So, I'm lounging. It's Friday night. Just got paid. Oh. Not really. But it is Friday night. Half of that statement is true. <sighs> is half of that statement true? No, all of that statement is a lie. It's now the wee hours of Saturday morning, technically, right? Isn't that the way it works? I never know how to say that. You know, there's a midnight show at the Strat. Well, there's a lot of midnight shows at the Strat. But there's one in particular. My friend Gooch puts it on. Um, it's called Stupid Town. I did it a couple weeks back, but it's on midnight at Friday, but nobody ever knows how to say that. So I always just tell people 1159 on Friday. That's the way I put it. Cause you know, if you get there at 1159 or you get there at midnight, at least you're there the right day, the right time where you need to be. And I'm breathing hard because I just ate a sandwich. I guess I, I remembered something that I really liked. And I was like, let me try that. And you know what? It actually did live up. It's very simple. It's just an actual Boar's Head brand turkey, whole grain bread. Or yesterday I had it on croissant. That's really the way I used to have it was croissant because I used to get it from this place. When I was just a girl, I actually um, did hair for a little while. Well, not did hair. I went to school to do hair. And then I realized the only person's hair I liked doing was my own. And I figured it would be kind of hard to make money with that being your specialty. And so now I just do my hair in my free time. <laughs> Which is funny because if you know me, you know that like, yeah, I do my hair to go somewhere sometimes, but not really. I don't really, I don't really worry about anything. Like, you know, I just feel like when it comes to a lot of things, I'll just go out however I am because no matter what, I'm me, you know, and I, I don't mean to sound full of myself, but I really do feel like everybody that's listening to my podcast, anybody that's ever within earshot of my voice should really be as into themselves as I am into me. Because it's not an unhealthy thing. You're the best thing in your life, or you should be the best thing in your life. You know, there's other stuff, and it comes and it goes, and some of it stays even, you know. like. But even if you're married, you should be the best thing in your life. I really do feel that way. That's the way you'll be the best thing in your partner's life. But really, if you have a good partner, I think that they'll be the best thing in their life. I had that problem with a couple people that I dated where I just... I really didn't get why they were so not into themselves and not at all, like, cause it's not at all conceited, you know, and that's not the kind of thing I'm talking about. It's just like, if you're really into yourself, you know, you're really, then you shouldn't always have to be worried about things or trying to make me worried about things. You know, like there were people that had jealousy issues that completely weren't necessary. And really if they hadn't given those weird vibes or made me feel 
like that, then I probably would have. And I'm not blaming them for me being a shitty partner. Because like I said to you guys, I've cheated on everybody that I've ever dated except for one person. And we all know how that went. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, so I, I, and, but like some of them, it really was them not having confidence in themselves when I finally just got like, yeah, I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do because this is a thing anyway. You know, like Bijou, you know, Bijou is my dog and she's super smart and she's super cute, but I technically had gotten her for somebody else, but I litter box trained her and I spent all my time with her when she was a little, little puppy. And he, I had told him to make an agreement with the person that he rented his house from because he rented a house. And um, I told him like way before we broke up. Well, you know, I think we had Bijou for like four months after, you know, before we broke up. But um June, July, August, September. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And so, um, yeah. So we had little Bijou, and I told him because he was, you know, telling me that I had to sneak her around and stuff like that. And I was practically living with him. Well, not... I was back and forth a lot, a lot at that time, like Phoenix to L.A. Um, and so mainly... Anyway... Um, yeah, so I was back and forth a lot and like, I got a little bijou for him at a point and I was like, you know, this is your dog. He's the one that named her. And then, uh, what happened was he was living in this place and he was like, basically told me that he had to be sneaky about her. And he's the one that told me he wanted a dog. And so he, um, said that we have to kind of sneak her around and stuff like that. And I hate living like that. Like I tell people all the time, I don't try to do anything I'm not supposed to be doing because I don't like any of that trouble or having to worry about shit. When I'm in a place with Bijou, I'm there with Bijou and everybody knows that I've got a dog and I'm just not doing that. And that was before I was used to having a dog because Bijou is the first dog I've really had as an, as an adult. I had a, a Rottweiler when I was younger, but I wasn't a good dog owner and I wasn't ready for it. And apartments getting a Rottweiler or having a Rottweiler and getting an apartment can be a, a tricky thing. And so eventually I gave him away to this guy that owned a farm and he had a female Rottweiler and mine was a boy. And so he lives a lived a good life. I'm sure he's gone now. This is a long time ago and Rottweilers don't live that long. So anyway, now that I bummed everybody out about my Rottweiler that I wasn't grown up enough to have, um, Bijou's the first dog I've ever had really like this. But I knew that I didn't want to be sneaking around with her or anything like that. And so I told the guy I was dating, tell the owner of this place that you will give him a $300 deposit, non-refundable. And I obviously was going to give him that money so that he could, you know, because I bought him the dog. So I don't want to add extra stuff onto him or whatever, you know. And I also made sure that I was going to be around in Phoenix for a solid two weeks at that point because I was going to potty train her. I didn't know I was going to be able to litter box train her. We ended up looking that up on Google. And then once I saw it was possible, I made it happen. But that was all me because, you know, he had to be going to work and stuff like that. And he loved her and he would sleep with her and that kind of thing. You know, it's not like he wasn't good to her, but he would leave her 
in her cage because, well, she didn't have a cage. The way it works is she has a, had a doggy playpen. And so while we were litter box training her, when we would leave, we'd leave her in the doggy playpen so she only had that much space. And then, you know, she could, she had her litter box in there and she had her food. And being a chihuahua, you know how they don't like to, dogs don't like to pee and poop in the same area too much. Well, being a chihuahua, like a little bit of space is a lot for her. <laughs> like, you know, I, I had to walk her out, you know, like pick her up and walk her out anytime she had to go potty or whatever um, when she was little because she had such little legs and it would take her so long to get across. So I had to pick her up and, you know, just take her. But, uh, you know, it, but she was good about everything and she figured everything out, out. She figured everything out really fast. And so I told him, you know, cause I knew that the guy, I knew the kind of guy he, that was his landlord, you know, and that guy is going to respond to money. And if you tell him that he could have a $300 non-refundable deposit, I knew that the guy would go for it. So I told him that. And then I was like, I thought, you know, cause I'm, I was like, you're being a little hasty right now with your money. So I told him, I was like, well, do this, tell him that you'll give him uh, 150 and then you can negotiate with him up to $300, you know? And so that's what I told him. And he said that he didn't want to talk to him about it, whatever, whatever. And then I was like, cool. Then if you, if he'll just take it, just tell him $300 non-refundable and then be done with it. And, but he didn't want to do that either. And so I kept telling him that because I didn't like having to sneak around with her. And that is one of the reasons I litter box trained her too, was it was like, since he didn't want us to be outside or want anybody to see he had a dog, then I had to litter box train her. And so when he would go to work, you know, and I like, cause then after that two weeks was up, then obviously I had to go back to work and doing the stuff that I had to do. So I wasn't able to just be there all the time. Plus I still had my apartment in LA. So I was going back and forth to LA and, you know, Bijou would stay with him and she'd have to be in her little confined area for eight to 10 hours a day. And I didn't feel like that's any kind of life for a puppy. You know, when she was with me, then we'd be doing stuff. And he couldn't even guarantee he'd be able to keep her. So when we broke up, I like, you know, he was pissed off and he fucking left. He, you know, I was staying at his place and he left because we were arguing. And really it was his fault because I was trying to work. Like that's what finally made me not, and it does go back to, like I say, the not being into yourself enough. Because, like, if, like, I feel like if you're at least a self-reliant enough person or confident enough person, I can sit right next to you and work. I was literally working on my computer. This is what I was doing while I was sitting next to him and he was watching a movie or a show. I think he was watching, like... The Voice or something like that. He loved competition shows. And so he's sitting next to me. You're right next to me. And he's like bugging me and kissing me. And that's cute for a minute and stuff like that. But when I'm really working, and I mean actually working, and we've been together at this point for several months, you know, like we're together together. It's not like that beginning part where, and it's cute to even be romantic like that, even after you've been together for a little while. But just like, I don't, I can tell the difference between when you're doing it just to be sweet and when you're doing it because for some reason you're feeling insecure about the fact that you don't have my attention right now. And I'm having to get full attention to what I'm doing and I am not that guy like in the reverse like when the person I'm with says they have to go to work I don't bug them I let them do what they have to do to go to work and so sometimes people don't respect that with me because since I'm not a traditional office guy 
they assume that it's always free time for me or whatever they think. And I don't know why they think this because I think you can tell when I'm concentrating. Like I am that kind of person where when I'm really doing something, I'm just doing something. That's one of the reasons I'm good friends with like people like Chris Doran or some of the people that I'm friends with are the same as I am. Like I can be at Chris's house or his apartment, wherever he's living at the time. And I can be on my computer doing whatever I'm doing. And then he's doing what he's doing. And like, even now that he's married, his wife will be in her room doing stuff. I mean, like everybody's just cool. And that's more what I'll be attracted to. So anyway, so when I'm with this guy and he starts doing that, then all of a sudden I just finally, cause you know, I, several times asked him like can I please just do what I have to do and that night I was doing a a particular I was writing up a contract and it was for a very particular gig that was really getting on my nerves and I do all that shit myself for the most part and so I really had to concentrate and make sure I thought of everything because sometimes even when you go because Even if you do like a standard type contract or something that you usually use, you always have to make some kind of adjustments to it. And it was this gig that it was stoners up in, what's it called? You know, like Northern California. And they've got a lot, a lot of money because, you know, and this was before weed's legal everywhere. I think that changed things now a little bit at least. But anyway, you're just dealing with people that do have a lot of money, but at the same time, they're stoners. So you just have to stay on them. You know, you have to make sure, and it's not a, but it is what it is. And so when you get the contract and you, or you're writing the contract, you want to make sure that you send send it over exactly the way it's supposed to be sent over. One, because if you need it legally, then you need to be covered. And two, because there's they're stoners, so the sooner you can get them to just sign it and then be done with that part of the business and be like, okay, that's the day I'm supposed to be there. This is the way it all works out. It's it's done, and you put it away. And so I'm really trying to do this, you know? And so um, I, I just asked him several times, and then he just farted. And it stunk so fucking bad. <laughs> and it was... And it was... <sighs> It wasn't just about him farting, which is already disgusting because even when I'm with somebody, I'll put up with it once in a while, but I really don't want to be with anybody like that. And I don't want to be like that with anybody. You know, like when I'm with my boyfriend, I don't want to, I don't think it's funny to fart, you know, and like make him smell it or whatever. Like, what are we, nine or whatever? And plus, like, we're gay men. So like somebody farts bad enough, you're like, I don't know if I want to stick my dick in there. Uh, but you will, but you don't, you wonder for a minute, (laughs) but there is like some of us that are like that, like not all of us, you know, like, so I know some gay men that are completely cool with that and they think it's funny and whatever else, but I just personally am not. And the people that I date are usually the same way. Like we're all kind of chill. Um, like if somebody just happens to, or has to, then that's one thing, but to, just because you think it's funny, or especially if it's because you're being insecure and weird. And so that's where we really got into it. And then he tried to pull a, like, I'm trying to tell him what to do in his house. And I had told him when I was in his room, like when I first, I was like, if you, cause you know, his roommate had an office area and I was like, if you want, I can go into the office and I can do this there. No, I want you to lay next to me. Okay. Well then leave me alone, you know? And so when I finally got mad and then he got mad back and then he was like, I'm going to get out of here before I do something. I don't want to. And it's like, you know, whatever. 
Um, but yeah, fucking go, you know? And so, um, then I was like, uh, I was like, yeah, well, you know, I'm going to leave too. I was like, I'm going to get my shit and I'm going to go. And so I packed all my stuff up in the car and Bijou's in her little playpen, her doggy playpen, jumping against it, going crazy because she knows what it looks like when I, even when she was a puppy like that, she knew what it looked like when she's... <laughs> She knows exactly what it looks like when daddy's packing up, you know, and she's known that forever. So uh, she's going crazy, jumping against the gate. And of course, she doesn't know I'm leaving forever. And I was not going to leave. Here was my pact I made with myself. If he made it back before I left, then I would leave Bijou. But if he wasn't back by the time that I was leaving, because, you know, I'm packing all of my stuff and I had quite a bit of stuff at his place. I left all the stuff like that I bought for him, like, you know, because I bought him a fair amount of stuff um, just for organizing and that kind of stuff. Because, you know, with me coming in and this was all him that really... Like I tell you guys, when I know how to make somebody fall in love with me. So when I first met him, he wanted me there all the time. And like my thing was, okay, I can be here, but your place, your room is set up for one person. So let me buy some stuff that'll make it so that, you know, we can be at least somewhat organized. Like I told you guys, I've never been the most organized person in the world, but if there's going to be two of us, I'll make sure that it's, or and also I don't have to move all my stuff in. I can decide what I want to move in so I can make it so there's enough room for me to conveniently stay at his place, but not fully move in. But at that point I had a lot of stuff there because we had been together like that for months. So if I just left something there, I'd be like, all right, then it just stays here for now. And, um, so I had a lot of stuff to pack up and I um, got out of there, you know, but it took a while. And so he wasn't back and I was like, all right, well, I'm taking my puppy with me. And it's the best decision I ever made. You know, like he mentioned something about it when we talked afterwards and stuff like that. And that was um, turned into a longer, messier breakup than it really had to be. Um, but also like there was a part of me that thought he would get his shit together and then we'd just be together. That's what I did think. I thought he would figure out cause <sighs> I wasn't perfect in that relationship, but I also was, yeah, I, I was going through too much to really be in a relationship. So even though maybe I thought he would get his shit together, I realize now that I probably needed to get my shit together more than he did. And that I also didn't actually want what I thought I wanted because he had asked me to marry him when we first got together, like two weeks after we'd been together. And like, you know, I was also super duper in love with him. So I, of course, said yes. And then I do a joke about it where I say, you know, like gay marriage, uh, people, well, I, and I did a joke about it that I wrote at that time. The lady asked me one time when I was in San Jose and I had mentioned I was engaged and she was like, when are you getting married? And I said, when I run out of States to move to where it's not legal. And, um, there was plenty of truth in that where, and the reality of that really hit me because all of a sudden we're 
together, engaged, and really, I know I don't want to be married, but that's always been a convenient thing. Like, we can't actually get married. And he's bringing me brochures from a marriage expose and that kind of, and I was just like, it all started being too real and too fast. So I think even subconsciously, I probably ended up sabotaging that. So never mind on everything I was about to say about him and how he had fallen short. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. It's, you know, it really is that thinking. If you really think about things like where you're quote unquote wrong, and really, is there a lot of right and wrong in trying to learn how to be an adult Because nobody modeled for us well. I can speak for my generation. Maybe everybody else is a lot more well-adjusted. But um, I know that I'm not the only one. Because there have been a lot of guys that I've been out there fucking up with. And I do mean fucking up. Like, they fucked up. I fucked up. We just couldn't get it together. Couldn't figure it out. And I really, from looking at the relationships I see people in... Uh, the younger people I know, they don't have it figured out yet either. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe the generation below. But um, yeah, so I would say that, you know, that ended up working out perfectly the way it should have worked out, even down to having little Beige. Because I would tell you, sometimes little Beige, we do get into it, me and little Beige. But we are good friends, and she is super smart. And... I don't ever think of her as a burden or even when she somebody has to take care of her. I just, I really do put thought into who can take care of her, who I trust to take care of her because she really is my, you know, she's my actual puppy. <laughs> and so it's like, uh, you know, but I never think like in a bad way or, oh, I wish I didn't have this dog. Never. It's just not something that crosses my mind. You know, <laughs> even if I have to pay a little bit more in rent or pay, pay deposits, like I've had to pay every place that we've gone, you know, it's just not, not, not a thing that way. Um, and she is very smart. Like I said, if she was dumb, I would have left her with her other daddy. But he was good to her and stuff like that. Everything works out the way it's supposed to work out. You know, that's what I'm realizing more and more. And right now, like I say, I'm ready for somebody to move into my life, but it would be the right person. And I really am all right with watching movies by myself at my place and working on content. And if I were with somebody right now, I really couldn't like, because it's something that I think about, but I really couldn't fit them in and give them enough attention or even like imagine right now these are regular people hours where because it's like you know after midnight on Friday night and so these are regular out people hours where they would either want me to be out with them or they'd want me to be asleep with them or they'd want to be like curled up watching a movie or doing something couples do you know and I'm Right now, I felt like recording my podcast because I'm making sure that it comes out on Wednesdays. This Wednesday, it was a little bit, or this Wednesday that just passed, it was a little bit later in the day that I wanted it, but it got out on Wednesday, which is the goal, you know, but I record these because I don't feel like these have to be topical at all because I do my topics throughout the week when something really hits me. Like, I talk about my life on Unbothered, you know, and that's like why... I'm happy with the people that are listening to Unbothered right now because it's a manageable amount of people in the way that... 
I feel like I can tell more about myself because it's just a small group listening. And I, I know the potential of later on people hearing, you know, the wrong people hearing, quote unquote, or people that don't agree with me. But I don't care about that because my life has just been my life. And so the way I always feel about like cancel culture, when people talk about that kind of stuff, like just because of the life that I've lived and some of the stuff that, you know, I've done, had done to me, experienced, seen, been around um, encouraged and been encouraged to do some of the stuff just it, well not a lot of the stuff in my life just would make it so I would be canceled before anything even started like you know I made a lot of mistakes when I was a younger person and some people would see them as mistakes but for me they were just like learning that's that's it you know that's how I learned was by quote-unquote messing up but you know I, I don't feel like I have anything to apologize for. And I don't feel like most people do. Like, that's why I don't understand sometimes some of the stuff people apologize for. And I get it. A lot of times it's people that have like network jobs or record deals or stuff like that, where they really have like either a morality clause or there's some sort of expectation. But I just could never imagine living like that. You know, I... I say the wrong stuff all the time, even now, and I'm better now than I ever have been in my life as far as stuff goes. But then also a lot of the stuff that I say, I also know there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's just people choose to take it in a way where they can try to establish some sort of victimhood from it. And I don't submit to that because I think that we all could be victims in different ways. And I do get certain things like this is where I get a little bit torn because sometimes people take me the wrong way on social media, like on Facebook, they'll read something that I say and then they'll assume that I don't believe that there are ever any hate crimes or that racism exists or that kind of stuff. And that's not what I'm saying at all. Everything exists. Everything that we hear about does exist. Racism, sexism, sexual harassment, abusive relationships, domestic violence, Every terrible thing, every normal thing, every mundane thing, it all exists. And I know that. But for me, it's more about like figuring out how you can make the world around you work. And then like, yeah, that other stuff still exists. But that'll always exist for some people because some people are taking different paths and some people are taking different, um, you know, they're learning lessons at different points which is how it's been for me and how it's been for everybody, you know? And then some people learn them in different ways. Some people do get to live very sheltered lives and very, you know, it's not a lot, but some people do get to live a life that's kind of contained and that's never been my situation. And so I, um, I don't worry about the lessons that I've learned because it's just stuff that you learn. And um, for me, doing comedy, it's stuff that I will talk about in my sets all the time. Sometimes I'm sure audiences are a bit like, this guy is really messed up. But they also know that I'm really entertaining and fun about it. So everybody just laughs and we have a good time. And that's what it is. And that's what it's supposed to be as far as I go. But right now, I am liking the... Because I, like, I do live a pretty subdued life right now. You know, I go to the gym and I record content. I hang out with my dog. I maybe will answer a couple emails about getting back on the road, which I already 
am supposed to go on the road. I think I got like five weeks lined up or which with everything that's been going on, that's a good little a little run coming up. But, you know, that's like April. I think it starts and then it's like I have a week off somewhere in between there, but then it's like, you know, just bam, bam, bam. And so I um I'm happy about that, you know, even though I really just want to create content and that's what I want to do. I want to have a residency here in Vegas, but outside of that, you know, outside of those two things, I don't want to be just on the road, just to be on the road. But I also want a residency that reflects what it is I am, you know, like I want people to come specifically for a different experience and something that's going to be like, I'm not going to give you that fucking same thing every time you see me, or it might be dramatically different from one time to the next because people that know me from doing open mics and that kind of stuff, that's why I like doing open mics because I can cycle through so many different ideas and so many different things. And if I were to able, if I were able to do that in a place nightly that I felt like was my home, I think people would really like the different things they would see from me, even if they, you know, like were visiting Vegas, left for a while, and then came back. And like that's one of the reasons it's perfect for me being here when I'm able to actually be here, is because there are a lot of people that hit me up from different places and are like, I'm gonna be in Vegas and. You know, there's certain places for a minute there where I used to be able to tell them I was going to be there pretty much all the time. But now we're rebuilding this situation, which I'm, you know, even that I'm not sweating. Like the way everything's gone, there were different points where I would like sweat it or stuff like that. But just the way the pieces have fallen together now, it all feels like, yeah, this is running like the way it's supposed to run or it, it, it does have some logic. Even the the shutdown and the way that's, you know, playing out. So there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know what anybody's falling apart about. Lately, a lot of people have been talking about suicide. And I posted about that on Facebook the other day. And I don't know if people felt like I was being insensitive or not. But I did tell people, if you feel like this post is insensitive or there's anything to argue, please feel free to block me. Because... <sighs> You always hear people make it sound like, and they make excuses for people where it's like, almost like it's acceptable, you know? And I do understand when people choose to, like, you know, have a dignified death if, you know, there's some sort of terminal illness and quality of life just isn't going to be there and they're able to go to a Kevorkian type or even if they just take a DYI approach, you know what I mean? Uh, even if that's what you have to do, whatever, you know, I get it. Sometimes it's time to leave the party. So I'm not at all trying to shame anybody in that way. That's the other part people don't get about me is, yeah, there's a part of me that'll encourage you to keep living. But there's also a part of me that if we were good enough friends and you were like, look, I just got to cut out because because this is going to get worse. I got cancer. I got, you know, or whatever the thing was. If it's terminal and, you know, otherwise, I think there's a way to salvage or whatever. But if you're just like, yeah, I, I know it's time for me personally to check out. Then I would wish you well and be like, all right, well, then I'll just pretend. I don't know whatever you're going to do tonight. But I love you and bye, you know. So it's not like I'm completely that guy that's like, this is a sin. But also, 
I just feel like if you're a normal, healthy person, then you should just really take suicide off the table. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that you make a conscious effort to do that. You just decide no matter what. I know things are going to suck. I know sometimes things are going to suck for a long time, for a good minute. But I just am telling myself that I will not kill myself. I don't think that's a bad pact to make to yourself. I don't think that that's bad advice for me to say that. And they're like, you know, you're shaming people. You're making people feel... I'm not making anybody do anything. That's the biggest thing about me is I'm really not making... Like I said, maybe just you're terminally unhappy, then fucking kill yourself. I mean, like, what do you want from me? I mean, I'm saying do whatever you need to do, but I'm just saying if you decide you're one of the ones that's supposed to live, if you feel like you have purpose and, you know, you want to be unshakable, then just take it off the table. Just say, I will not think about that because if I think about it, then I'm more likely to do it. Whatever the mind can conceive and believe, you will achieve. Um, that could be salt and pepper, or it could be somebody much older and more appropriate to saying something like that, or what most people would think as appropriate to saying something like that. And salt and pepper just used it in I Am the Body Beautiful, which can be found on the Tu Wong Fu soundtrack. That's one of my get ready, get to the gym, get ready to go out to the club. That's one of those songs for me. It starts off, and where is the body? Bam! Here I am. Heard you was looking for me. Bitch, here I go. But anyway, what are we talking about? Um, yeah, so it's, you know, I just, I try to be inspirational in my own way. Because People forget that, yeah, there's the Hallmark types and stuff like that, and they do exist. That's an actual thing. That's an actual type of person, you know, the people that are into more like the sappy kind of stuff. And then there's the people that are more into like the shoebox greetings line, you know, and so that's two different markets. Well, then there's people that are more like me that, you know, maybe don't mind a little bit of cynicism every once in a while or a sense of humor when it's quote-unquote inappropriate. And those are the people that I'm really there for. And I don't mean it to be that way, but just that's what tends to be drawn to me. And so if I can give them a little bit of what regular people would consider a Hallmark Bowman or a, well, that actually hit, resonates with me, then what makes somebody else's voice more important than mine? And what makes it so somebody can tell me that my way of saying it isn't appropriate? Maybe you're right. Maybe my way of saying something isn't appropriate for you and your friends, for you and your crowd. But if I'm talking to my crowd, the people that get me, then who are you to say what's inappropriate for a group of other adults to be able to say to each other? You know, I don't ever tell people to do anything that's truly destructive or and the advice that I give to friends is in advice where I try to steer people the wrong way or like I try to be really good to my friends I was talking to Kenny Lyon on the phone earlier today that guy's like my little brother but you know and he knows how I feel about him I just wish I just wish he would learn to get out of his own way you know and that's as far as I'm gonna go into it because I wouldn't ever talk shit about Kenny Lyon Kenny Lyon to me was so like uh, an actual lifeline for me when I was getting ready to move out of L.A. And Kitty Lyon is the kind of friend that would do anything, anything, anything for his friends, for me specifically, you know. And so I um, 
sometimes people don't get why I'm so loyal to Kenny Lyon, and that's because Kenny Lyon is actually loyal to me as well. And he's a good guy, and he's a smart guy, and he's a funny guy, and he's very talented, and he can control a fucking audience. And there's so much that's great about him, but just, you know, he's in a toxic relationship with the entire city of Los Angeles, you know? And I told him that tonight on the phone. That I don't mind telling you guys, because I, like, you know... It's just true, and I hope that he listens to this episode. And because you know he's he's very artistic, and he's very like he needs to be more in a nurturing environment as far as being an artist goes. Like he like I'm a comic, you know, like I'm just a fucking piece of shit comic. <laughs> but he's an actual like artistic type personality and he can adapt to a bunch of things and improv and actually be funny and improv and he, there's so many good qualities about him but they come from the fact that he's an artist. So like an artist, a true artist a lot of times is more sensitive and does need something more nurturing and LA is not that. Like, that's the thing with L.A. is L.A. is very much industry-driven. It's supposed to make money stuff. They want it to be marketable. And I feel like Kenny can make himself marketable, but I think he needs to grow as an artist to actually be able to realize that potential. That's the way I feel about it. You know, so I feel like him getting out of L.A. And he, I told him, don't you don't have to come to Vegas. If you want to come here, I'm here. But if you don't want to come here, then don't come here. Check out other cities. Find something else out. You're still young enough. You're still, you know, able. You, you can do something. So why don't you check out what life has to offer instead of staying in a city that you know you don't love and it doesn't love you? You know, well... There's parts of, like, even me, there's parts of me that love L.A. There's, L.A. is a very beautiful place in a lot of ways. There are things that I really didn't like about L.A., like traffic, like the industry mentality rather than the focus being on talent. But, you know, I also needed L.A. when I first got there because that was a place that had the most stage time and I had stage fright. And so that had the most options for me and that helped me get to my goal even quicker. So I don't at all regret any part of my time in L.A. And I really felt like I picked the right time to leave L.A. And it was just from one day realizing exactly what I was telling Kenny tonight. And I don't tell him from a way of, like, not knowing. You know, he knows everything I'm saying is true about that, like... It's just not the city for him, even though it's his comfort zone and he's been there his entire life, it's still not the right city for him. So like with me, I just decided one day and then I was like, you know what, I'm going to put in my 30 day, 30 day notice to my apartments and, uh, you know, make sure I wrap this up respectfully and be out of here. And so I told Kenny and then... You know, it was because me and Kenny were hanging out all the time back then. And when I say all the time, all the time to a point, you know, like I don't hang out with anybody all the time, all the time, unless I'm dating them, you know, then, yeah, they know where I'm at all the time. But my regular friends, we hang out as much as we can. And that's all the time for me. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, you know, if Kenny was probably the first person I told that I was leaving L.A., and he was bummed about it, but he also is a good friend. So he was, you know, like, yeah, I get it. If you have to go, you have to go. Um, but, you know, I um, 
I won't stay anywhere that I don't like anymore. It's just not what it's about. And that doesn't mean, you know, things won't get tough, different places you are, because that happens sometimes. That, too, is a part of life, not just, like, the inner, you know, like, or what's going on mentally or depression or whatever. But it, it's also the kind of thing where you can not look at it in the worst way and just take certain things off the table, you know? Like, some people say things that are, to me, like, I don't know why you would say that, even if you think you're joking, you know, like, um, they're going to end up homeless. And it's like, like, yeah, I wouldn't ever say those words. Like, you're not going to be homeless, so don't say that. Like, but then, you know, if they, I guess, I don't know. The only place that I'll say things that I really don't mean is on stage. And that's just because... Certain things are just to amplify a joke or like uh, my stories come from real places, you know, but like some of the stuff I do in between, like I'll tell people that I wouldn't fuck that I would fuck them, you know, or like, and I'm not saying that like, oh, I'm so above them or anything like that. But like people that it, we wouldn't even logically fuck, you know what I mean? Like I'll say stuff like that. Uh, so it's, you know, on stage, everything's whatever, you know, you'll hear me say almost anything on stage. But when it comes to, like, regular life and the suggestions you're putting into your own brain, I think you should be at least a little careful about that or at least a little mindful of what it is you're doing and saying. But, you know, um, I, for right now, what I was trying to get at is on the relationship front, like, yeah, when it's time, somebody will come in. But right now, I can still tell you, is not that time. And I have kept to being off grinder. People ask me about that every once in a while. But I don't know why anybody thinks that would be particularly hard for me because I don't need that app. Like I don't even like the only time I've really thought about it is at those times, you know, when you would take out your phone and maybe have played like Candy Crush or Words with Friends or something like that. Like, I don't do a lot of those, but I have been into some of them. Like, at one point, Words with Friends, I was doing quite a bit of that um, with friends. But, um, yeah, but, like, that kind of vibe. It was like that, you know, when you don't have your regular mental distraction, you're like, oh, usually I would take this out and be on Grindr right now. But other than that, it's not really a thing for me. Nothing is really a part of my personality like that except for except for what I'm doing now, like making content and stand-up is a part of my personality, obviously. Like, I don't think I could completely do without stand-up, or I wouldn't want to. Like, stand-up is... Stand-up really is my thing and what I love most. That would not be a lie or an exaggeration on any level. Like, I... I'm at home with comics and I can be the real me when I'm doing stand-up and I can be a pretend me when I'm doing stand-up at different points and I can, it's everything. So it's not like I'm ever going to give that up, but going on the road part, I really don't want to be that guy. And I've done a lot of that, you know. I had somebody tried to mention something about it not too long ago. And I was like, if I were to just show you one actual tour that I did when I was working for Ron Heron, which is the brewery comedy tour you've heard me talk about or you've 
heard me when I was on it or heard some of my hijinks from it. But even just one of those, I'd be gone for like 14 days, 15 days, and it'd be a bunch of different places. Sometimes I'd have to fly into one place. Like one time I had to fly into, I think it was Memphis that I flew into, and then I took a bus to, uh, what's it called, to like... Where was that bus to? It was overnight and they were super late getting us. And I can't remember what city it was I took the bus to. And then another comedian picked me up in that city and we had to go to a town after that. And so it was like, you know, stuff like that. And it's so, and then from there, it's like town to town every day for the next 13, 14 days, however long you're actually on that run. And then you fly home. But in between, it was no lie. And this is why I don't think the guy I was with at the time really understood that I would come home and be tired. But it's like if you're driving or even riding in a car, which is just as boring, you know, and the other comic is driving and you're like five to eight hours every day driving and then you know you do that for 14 days when you come home you do need a day or two of just resting and while you're going through all that you're going through different changes in altitude you're going through different changes in weather there was one that I did another time that was kind of in that same time frame where like we drove through so much snow rain some areas were just cold and dry you know like it was just elements 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 and then at the end of it was a like a 14 hour drive or something like that and I ended up driving that alone that 14 hours and sometimes when you're on the road then these are the times that you think about you know like you contemplate your life like people say that and they say it like it's an insult to me you know like you'll hear people on uh, social media say stuff like that to me and try to be insulting about it. And it's like, no, that actually is my life. Like that is what I do. There are times when I've been on super long drives and just halfway through thought to myself, like, what are you doing? Why are you out here? And you're getting ready to go sleep at a rest area, you know? And with a lot of times at the rest area, if you think about the cost of a hotel room, it's not that expensive. It's just a matter of like, especially with me and I'm traveling with Bijou a fair amount of places. And like I said, she really does steady my mind. So I'm not at all, I don't feel like she's a burden even a little bit. I live this way. But also like to get Bijou and all her stuff out of the car and like, you know, all my stuff out of the car because I don't trust stuff in the car. And if that's all I'm traveling with, then I can't lose the stuff that I'm traveling with. And I can get kind of weird about that sometimes. And so it's just smarter for me to sleep in the car instead of having to unload. And then if I just say I want to sleep just for four hours then I can't get a room. Say I want to go to sleep. I've been driving through the night and I want to go to sleep and it's like 10 in the morning. Well, checkout is at 11 and a lot of places aren't going to let you check in till at least two or three. Some of them will let you do like a noon, but that's like two hours of waiting to get a hotel, motel, holiday in. That's like two hours of that dead time while you're just sitting there waiting to get something that you're like, I could just sleep in my car. And I'm so used to sleeping in my car at this point that, because, uh, you know, when I was first starting out, I literally didn't have money to get a hotel room. I really did have to sleep in the car. I li when I first moved to LA, I was living in my Jeep Grand Cherokee for four months. And I had my different sleeping spots that I would go to, like the... Um, 
the freeway uh, or the not the freeway well above the freeway right there on the 101 and like St. Andrews or St. Andrews yeah I think it's the 101 in St. Andrews that's right there um but yeah there was this overpass that I used to sleep on worst idea of my life probably because you know there's the smog coming up from all the cars the 101's very busy and that's right there like Santa Monica area like Santa Monica Boulevard not Santa Monica the city um but yeah so um, that was when, you know, I'm, so I'm used to being in my car. And, but, yeah, I had the, um, what's that stupid freeway called? The, the one, the, the, one, the PCH. Um, I would, the way that used to work was I would fall asleep up on Santa Monica Boulevard. Um, or no, what's that street? Colorado. Yeah, Santa Monica and Colorado, like right there off that, there's all these meters. And I would fall asleep at the meters. And you can't park on the PCH until 5 a.m., I believe it was, or maybe at 6. Either way, I would um, set my alarm for like 4.45 or 5.45, whichever one it was, if it was like 5 or 6 that I had to be out there because then I could make then it would take me like 15 minutes because a lot of people will cheat and start parking there early. But I'm always worried about getting a ticket or I was always worried about getting a ticket. So I would try to time it just right. Well, if you time it just right, there's already so many cars on the freeway or parked on the PCH already. So, you know, then you got to find a spot. And with me, since I knew I had been sleeping in the car and I was going to be sleeping in the car, I would try to park at least two or three spots from the rent-a-john that was on the PCH, and then if I had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, or my version of night, which is the morning, then I would do that. And so I would sleep out there, but sometimes it would get too hot to sleep out there. And uh, even at the beach, you know, it would still be a little too warm, or you didn't time it right, or that wasn't convenient to where you were the night before, and you were drunk, and you didn't want to drive, or whatever the situation was, you know. And so then... I had this little cubby hole storage room that I kept my stuff in and you could go there during the day and it had air conditioning. So a few times I fell asleep in my little cubby hole situation, but there were other people doing that too. You know, there were people that kind of lived there, but you know that. So, um, yeah, I was very, I'm very comfortable in the car at the same time in that way or more comfortable in the car than I would be anywhere else. And so, um, but you know, all that too is like more of why I should be single right now. And I, you know, I just, I really want to do everything that I need to do. Cause the, at the end of the day, like for, for other people, it might be different and I respect that. But for me, it's, I have to really worry about me. Like I, it, I've been in enough relationships that haven't worked out that if anybody ever does come in and like, you know, is able to handle everything and be what I need and what I want and I'm what they need and what they want, then that'll be cool. But nobody's done that so far. So I'm not going to, you know, have that expectation or have anybody come in or think I'm going to have anybody come in and just, you know work with me to make things happen. I'm going to make things happen. Then somebody can come in and help me enjoy them or somebody can come in and add to them. But I'm not looking for anybody to come, you know, other half it with me on what I got to do. You know, like when it comes to the people that I want to work with, you know, like I 
had Chris Doran and Anthony Victorson helping me with the latest episode I did of my daily vlog or whatever you want to call that. Unbothered thoughts, maybe I'll call it. I don't know. Um, but it's, you know, the short version of what I do where I put out the like 10 minute videos. We might be doing those even shorter though, because I feel like I could pack more in, like give more of a punch. And so it's like finding your voice again, you know, like when you first start doing stand-up, people talk about you finding your voice. Well, when you start recording content or shooting content, it's another learning curve of finding your voice. But I'm having fun with it. And um, I have my friends, I had them help me, Chris and Anthony. And I really like working with them. And I just want to build everything and be able to fully employ them. And then, you know, they go on to do their own stuff or we build their stuff too. At the same time, I don't care what order things happen in. Like, that's one thing. For as much as people try to talk shit about me or whatever, I'm not at all greedy with my friends or a hater with my friends or want, you know, like, I'm going to be the star. It's like, no, we'll all fucking make something work and we'll all fucking do our own shit, you know? Like, that's the way, it, like, you know, but it's better to build with a group in a lot of ways because if you have different tools that they don't have or they have different tools that you don't have, then, you know, I might have said that the same way both ways. I know my friend Renee is going to make fun of me if I said that the wrong way and she's going to accuse me of being like Cynthia from Real Housewives when she said, <laughs> you keep your name out my mouth, I keep your name out my mouth. <laughs> I don't remember how Cynthia fucked it up, but Renee loves that line. And I do too, because Cynthia did this like sexy saunter away like she had just read. I can't remember who she was arguing with. I think it was Portia she was arguing with. But she sauntered away like she had just read that person. And really, she had said what she had said completely backwards or just wrong, 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 Cynthia. But um, yeah, no, that's that's more the way I see everything. You know, it's like me and my friends are building stuff and that's what I want to do is I want to be exactly where I want to be to move anywhere else, if that makes sense, you know? But yeah, um, and I was talking about that uh, that video that we did. We had a lot of fun with it, added sound effects, added a few graphics. You know, a fair amount of that is still just me because I'm the only one that's going to think like me and that part is on me and that part I need to be more accountable for. And just in the way that, you know, it's not a bad thing, but just like if you're going to have other people working with you, then you have to value their time almost more than you value your own, in my opinion. Because they've got other places they can be. Well, you can dedicate your life to your life. But if you're playing with other people's time and you're building something, which if you're building something, then you're probably not able to pay them what they should be getting paid or in some cases can't pay them anything. So the least you can do is be respectful of their time and understand that they're going to have other commitments. And So if they're willing to put that off to work on your stuff, then just make sure that you're doing things the way that you need to be doing them. Because I don't ever want to be a waste of time to the people that I actually care for and respect and are helping me out. Today, but then like, you know, yesterday and today, because it was our first time working together, we're all also seeing what we're necessary for and what we're not necessary for. Like one place that I probably, well, there were a couple of places that I could use tightening up from us doing this one 
particular one together, but also it will get better because I do like to get better at everything. I'm not a person who likes to just like, this is just good enough. Even now with stand up, that's another thing. Sometimes people try to be insulting with that and like r- remind me, but I'm pretty fucking good. So like that part, I will usually correct people on unless it's somebody I really know and that knows me and can actually say like Chris Dorian is one person that's seen me enough that, you know, he could say probably like, you know, this is what you need to tighten up on. But he would never do that and doesn't do that because he also sees that I'm always working on stuff. So it's not really like I need an outsider's perspective. But if I ever did, I'm sure he would tell me what I need to. And there are certain things that he'll tell me now even. where And because we're friends and I know he actually knows, I will just keep my mouth shut and be like, yeah, I guess I should listen to all this because this person is a person that actually does know. But, you know, sometimes when people will try to imply that, you know, I'm not at a certain level of success, I fully know that. And that's not something that I have a problem with because I really do feel like everything happens the way that it's supposed to happen. And I've been growing and I see how if I had gotten certain opportunities When I was younger or in a different place, I really would have messed them up and it would have been like a permanent thing because I wouldn't have been ready for that. And I also wouldn't have known how to handle a lot of the things that I just ended up learning when like as I went, like even the part with like Internet trolling or people, the way that people try to deal with you on the Internet or the kinds of things that they'll do or the head trip it can be like I tell people all the time, I know how people commit suicide from that, specifically from the Internet and being like, quote unquote, Internet bullied and that kind of stuff. Like I see how that happens for sure. But one trick that I learned that I told people when I was in the thick of it, you know, and when people were, because there was a point where people were really coming after me online. And it really was, some days it would bum you out. Like I wouldn't be worried about any kind of consequence or anything like that because nobody was like, in that way, it was like, People would try to do things like shady things with the clubs that I worked for, stuff like that, or try to get me in trouble with the clubs that I worked for. But everybody's known me too long and they're like, yeah, he's edgy, he does whatever. And he also like, you know, but like everybody knows that when you actually see me or when you actually um, know what it is I do then none of that is a factor, you know, like nobody cares about any of this stuff. It's all this stuff I say is, you know, yeah, like, yeah, certain things I say will provoke people, but it really shouldn't because it's not the base of what I'm saying isn't truly wrong. Like, you know, people will say you said this and it sounds racist. Well, okay. So it sounded racist to you. But we also, as like a lot of times when people say that, it's a white person. And I'm like, yeah, me as a person of color and you as a white person, we might have different ideas on what's racist. And there might be different rules that people even apply to us. So when you're trying to talk to another person of color and you tell them that I'm racist and then you tell them how I'm racist and they're like, yeah, that's not racist. That's just He's brown, so he sees a different side. That's why so many of the other comedians that happen to be people of color, we're super cool because they get, like in a lot of cases, people don't even realize I'm calling out a different level of racism that you're not even tuned into on any level because you think you know the full definition of what racism is or you think you know every instance. 
And I'm telling you, while we're having that conversation, no, right now, you epitomize everything that you claim to stand against, whether it's just white privilege or racism altogether, or like in a lot of cases, these people don't realize that while they're talking down to me. And, you know, that's the other reason that like I so like in that way, in the consequences way, I never really worried about it. But in the way that you just have so many people shitting on you sometimes that you really do feel like the world is kind of caving in and everybody hates you. And so I learned early in that just by accident. I was like, you know what? I'm going to make myself go out to these open mics. And so and then you go out in the real world and people hug you and strangers smile at you and. Like the real world is a great place to be. So then, you know, the lesson from that that I always tell people is spend less time online. If you start to like, I'll have fun. I'll talk shit. Like right now I'm arguing with this. Well, you know, now I'm not because I let it go because I wanted to shoot, wanted to record unbothered. So it's not like a conversation anymore. It's not going to be when I log back on or check my Facebook again. I'm just over it. But like, you know, we're going back and forth, me and this guy that claims to be a writer, and he may very well be a writer, but he's not a good one. I can tell you that just from the comments we're having. But, uh, you know, he's whatever. Um, and But, like, people don't get that I'll do that for fun every once in a while or because I'm trying to promote what it is I'm doing because you also remember people go to your page. So when people go to your page from hearing you talk shit or from seeing you talk shit, then they're going to see you have a video up and they're going to watch that video. And so all of this is me doing what I'm supposed to do. A hundred percent of it is that. None of it's like destructive. None of it's like me wasting time. It's not the way it works. And so, um, you know, but at different points, it was more like that where it would be a waste of time and it would be me like, you know, getting into it with people unnecessarily or stuff like that. But people don't get that at this point when you see me doing that, it's more strategic than anything else. I mean, like, yeah, it started from them just being dumb, but I saw how that I could, like, showcase maybe a particular point or get people to watch more of what I'm doing in content because of that. But, you know, back when I was newer to it, like, it would get to you, you know, you'd see like, okay, this is really, you know, people are being vicious and I'm being, because you being vicious too, like, you know, because I am good at that, but it's also a very toxic place that's coming from in a lot of cases when you're really getting into it with people, you know, so that also will wear you out is putting out that kind of energy and taking it in, absorbing it. So, you know, eventually... You just learn. And I think if I had, you know, become more successful sooner, then it would have crashed down on me even harder at probably a bad time. And then that might have been a different outcome. But now since I'm so used to everything and I'm so used to understanding that that's not the real world, you know, the online is not the real world. Even Unbothered is great, but it's not the real world because this is me just having a one-sided conversation and hopefully you guys get me. But, you know, in the real world, there's people actually letting me know they get me in person and hugging me. And, you know, then there's the learning part of the world where maybe in real life every once in a while you get into it with somebody or you have to figure something out and you learn to gauge that and learn to gauge your temper and learn to be just a better person all the way around. And the only way to do any of that is to stay unbothered.